Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Summer Family Bible Conference. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. All right, praise the Lord. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. I've been trying to think of a good title for this this morning, and I, I still haven't come up with one. Um, Maybe, what do you want to be when you grow up? That'll work. We'll do that. What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I want to set the table. We're going to look at several scriptures here to set the table, and I want to kind of create the atmosphere of where I'm going with this and talk about what God had in mind. Have you ever stopped to think, or do you daydream, or think about what did God really have in mind for Adam and for those that would be born of Adam. In the beginning before sin, what did he have in mind for them? What was his purpose? Because I find that whatever he purposed in the beginning is what he's purposing now after the redemptive work of Christ. There is a divine purpose, there's an intention that God had for Adam. And I don't think it was just to wander around the garden and, and say, wow, this is cool. I think there was something more important, more definite, more specific for Adam that God had in mind. And so I want to share a few scriptures with you. Some of the students will know these are very familiar. Let's go to Genesis 1, 26. And it says, God, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. So key, so important. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion, and it goes on. So in the beginning we find that God is expecting man or commissioning man to have dominion over the earth, to subdue the earth, to fill the earth. So he had a purpose. Now let's go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8, and we'll start in verse 4. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and actually that word is Elohim, lower than God himself. And you have crowned him with glory and honor, and you have made him to have dominion over the works of his hands. You have put all things under his feet. So now we have the witness of two. That all things have been put under man's feet. We have been given dominion. We've been told to go and subdue the earth. And we have this dominion, this commission from God. Let's go to Psalm 115. Psalm 115. And let's see, where am I? Verse 16 says the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Now I looked up that word given last night, that word it means to be assigned to or committed to. God has assigned the earth to us. He has given us dominion. He he was expecting, now I'm pre-sin, but he was expecting man to take over this assignment of this earth that he had given to us, that we were to be, we'll say, his under rulers, his under shepherds of this earth, 
to subdue it, to replenish it, to, to have dominion over the earth. Now we're going to jump ahead. Let's go to Mark chapter, I think, 13. Mark chapter 13. And I'm still just trying to get the the table set here. And we're going to look at verse 34. Mark 13, 34 says, and when... I guess if I were to get in the right chapter, it would say what I wanted to say here. Uh, Mark 13, 34 says, For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. He left his house. Now we're looking at, at Jesus as he has come to the earth. He commissions the disciples. He gives them his authority. Well, looking at what we've already covered, the original intent of God was that we have authority, that we have dominion, that we subdue the earth. He put all things under our authority. And now Jesus is bringing this up, is that he has left his house and he has given his servants authority. Let's go to one more, Romans 5, 17. See, when I think about these things and and I do a lot, it's not, for me it's not enough to know that simply that God loves me and has accepted me and is, his favor is upon me. All of that is essential, necessary, beautiful. But now what does he want to do with me? What did he want to do with Adam? What is it that was on his heart, in his mind, this man that was created in his image and we've been recreated born again into that same image. What was in his mind? What does he expect from us and for us? And so Romans 5, 17 says, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace, and I'm gonna refer to that again, and of the gift of righteousness shall do what? Reign in life, shall reign in life. So we have this theme, and there's other places we could look at, but this theme flows throughout Scripture that in God's mind, this man that he created in his image and put on this earth and assigned this earth to him, this man is to be demonstrating the authority that God has given him. Now the title I said is, what do you want to be when you grow up? It says here that those that receive the grace the abundance of grace shall reign in life. So let's, let's think about this a little bit. What does it mean to receive the abundance of grace? Now, I, I like to come up with definitions and, ch- and then challenge myself on these definitions to make sure I'm in the right place with what I believe and what I think Scripture says. And I have a number, number of definitions about grace, but one concept that the Lord put in my heart about grace is that grace, we can consider it the raw material for life on every level. Or in other words, the, the, the definition I like most I take out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, grace is having all sufficiency in all things for every good work. All sufficiency in all things. Or in other words, everything I need 
spiritually has been provided. Everything I need in my soul has been provided. Everything I need for my body has been provided. Everything I need to to accomplish God's purpose for me has been provided. It's the raw material of life. It's everything I need. Think of it this way. What 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 if a parent dumped a million Legos into the bedroom of their 10-year-old son. Think of the possibilities. The raw material for any kind of creative thing is there in that room, but it's up to the 10-year-old to release himself into the abundance of that grace of Legos and do something with it. And we could, we could come up with other examples like that, but everything that we need, in other words, he's assigned the earth to us. Well, that's grace. The whole earth is ours in that sense. And he's given us authority. That's grace. He's given us dominion over everything. That's grace. So then the question is, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with this raw material that's available to us on every level of life and can meet abundantly every level of life. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2.10. Now everyone's very familiar with Ephesians 2.8 and 9. For by, by grace we are saved through faith that not of ourselves is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So I think we're all very familiar with that. Verse 10 We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, I'm just going to think out loud with you for a minute. That this grace, this raw material, this abundant provision for everything that we need has, let's say, we'll, we'll say it has two aspects to it. The first aspect is your identity or your inheritance in him, or what, who you are, we'll say generically, as a human because of God's grace. What did God's grace make you in terms of your identity? Well, let's think. Where are you seated? What's beneath your feet? See, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus by his grace, and we have been given all, he's been given all authority and our power, and he has transferred that to us, and so generically as a born-again Christian, no matter what else goes on in my life, I am seated far above all principality and power. Well, didn't he call upon us to reign in life and have dominion and subdue? So we have this, uh, I'm, I'm struggling for words here, but we have this generic or we have this, this human identity of being reborn, of carrying the nature of Christ inside of us and being seated with him in heavenly places, no matter what your other giftings might be, that is a truth. So you have the capacity to reign in life. And then we have the specific grace of God. Romans 12 talks about this somewhat, according to the grace given to me. There is a specific grace about what you are to do with what God has done in you. All right, with that in mind, verse 10 again, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before given you grace for. Or in other words, there's grace in you to accomplish a purpose, and I believe that's kind of what Andrew's talking about last night, is that success is doing what God has created in you to do. 
I tried to share it this way with the second year students uh, earlier in the year. How many are familiar with dog breeding? Nobody, okay. <laughs> dog breeding. How many know what a dog is? Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, there are certain kinds of dogs and they are bred with certain purposes in mind. I shared this and one, one guy went home and told his wife, Barry says you're a dog. <laughs> Hold on, pay attention. Every dog has a purpose, or at least when they're bred for purposes, they have a purpose. When are they, let's take a sheepdog. When is a sheepdog the most fulfilled and happy? When it's herding sheep, because that's what it was bred to do. When is a bulldog, originally bulldogs, stick with me here, bulldogs, were bred to what? Take down a bull. When do you think they're most fulfilled and most happy? When they're latched onto the nuzzle of a bull. <laughs> Dogs are bred for something specific. You've been bred, now the generic, the fact that you're seated with him in heavenly places, that grace applies to your authority in this earth. But there's a specific grace that you've been created in Christ Jesus to do something, and there's raw material for that. There's raw material for that. Is everybody following me here? All right, now go with me to Galatians 4.1. Galatians 4.1 says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. Now I've meditated on this for a long time. It says, the heir as long as he is a child. Now I was thinking this morning, in the really anointed version of this message, uh, <laughs> that my, my oldest son was born about the same time as Prince William in England. If we were to put those two babies side by side, they both look like two babies. They both need their diapers changed. They both need to be fed. They they, they're, they're, there is no difference in them in terms of their babiness. But one of them is born to be, we'll say, Lord of all, King of England. The, the entire grace of the throne is available to this child. The authority, the power, the wealth, the riches, the, the accolades, all of that is available to one of those children because of how they were born. How were you born? Again. Are you not a kingdom of priests? This one child though, however, is a, is a baby. And as a baby has no understanding in, and no capacity to do what he was born to do, though he be Lord of all. Here's what hurts my heart, is that I see Christians, and that's why I love Bible school, because I love to see people come in one way and go out a better way. Love to see lives transformed, because people, many Christians, stay babies, seated on the throne with him in heavenly places, with the raw material to reign in life, 
and they never grow into that. And though they be Lord of all, they remain no better than a servant. This, I think this is good stuff. What are you going to be when you grow up? Now, I understand that the, the work is complete. Please don't, don't get me wrong. It's a completed work in here. But have you grown into those shoes? They're full-size shoes. But have you grown into them? Do you understand? Have you understood the raw material that whatever T.L. Osborne can do, could do, you can do? Whatever Reinhardt Bonnke can do, you can do. Whatever Andrew can do, you can do. That raw material of grace is in your life. Now, there's a specific grace for a specific thing that God has bred you to do as well. And so we have these two aspects of grace at work in our lives. Of who am I? Created in the image of God, seated in, in, with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. Are you walking like that? Have you accessed that grace? What's the grace of life? What's happening in your life according to that raw material of life? Let's go to Matthew chapter 8. All of that was just the introduction. Matthew chapter 8. Praise God. Let's go to verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed, for I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me, under me, and I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to the, the other, come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to, him, said to them that followed him, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Now I've heard a million messages on this, and probably you have too, and I've taught on this, but I saw something different back in January for the first time. Let me, let me give you the obvious. The obvious is that this man is a man under authority. And we, we, we talk a lot about that. Are we properly submitted? Are we properly related to our authority, spiritual and many times as well, uh, horizontally in, in whatever we're doing in, in the earth? But I saw something new in this, and I, I realized this, because Jesus points this out as great faith. Never have I seen such great faith. And I looked at it again and it says, he says, I say to the, I have soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. And Jesus said, that's great faith. And I meditated and meditated and meditated and I realized that the secret of faith is a revelation of your authority. Now, remember how I set the table. What are we created to do? Have authority in this earth, to reign in life. The secret to faith is to have a revelation 
of your authority. Because here's what happened. The, the centurion says something to a soldier and they do it. The centurion doesn't run home to pray. I sure hope they do it. Oh God, please let them do it. He doesn't have to pray about it because his word is good enough. See, if you're a general in an army and you give a command to a colonel, then you don't follow the colonel to the major and listen to make sure he gets it just right and tells the the major. And then you don't follow the major to the captain and make sure the captain hears everything just right and and make sure you tell him this part and this part. And then you you don't follow them all the way down to the sergeant. When you're the general, you give the order and then you go play golf. You don't have to see the thing happening because you gave a word, you gave an order, and you know your sphere of authority, so you know it's a done deal. And Jesus is saying, that's great faith. Well, what is faith? Isn't faith the evidence of things not seen? And it dawned on me that many of us are struggling in this area of reigning in life because we're waiting to see the thing accomplished. We're living by sight and not by faith. I'll wait till it feels better before I say I'm better. I'll wait till I see something happen before I say that it's happening. Whereas if you're under authority and in authority, you just speak the word and then you go on your way. How many of you noticed the speed signs when you, when you came in? <laughs> 2,253. It's... <laughs> You need all-wheel drive to stay on the road at those speeds, all right? I've tried it. Uh, And then I looked closer, and it wasn't nearly as much fun. 22.53. Where did that come from? (laughs) That came from Andrew. Andrew told Curtis, who's the the operations manager, I want the speed to be 22.53. Curtis didn't question that. Andrew didn't go home and pray about it. Oh, I sure hope they do 22.53. Oh, God. He didn't have to, I'm I'm assuming. He didn't have to fast and pray about the fact that he said it's 22.53 and then he drives in a week later and there are the signs, 22.53. It was normal because he has a sphere of authority and when he speaks, we jump. (laughs) Are you understanding this? That many times when we're talking about our authority in Christ, this grace, this raw material to reign in life, Our problem is we don't know what our sphere of authority is. We don't have a revelation of authority. And so when we speak, we watch. Is it happening? It's like I have have a little dog. And there are certain commands where she recognizes my authority and there's other commands where she does not recognize my authority. (laughs) Now, if your dog came into my house and I speak to your dog, It's going to be all walking by sight. Because I could say sit, stay, roll over, jump, leave. I have no clue. 
if that dog recognizes my authority? Probably does not. Because I don't have a revelation of my authority over that dog. Not making any sense. So you may, have, you may own a business, and when you walk into your business, you say, please do this, do that, clean that up, change this, let's do this, let's do that. And everybody, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And you get, wow, this is, this is great. And so you walk across the street to someone else's business. <laughs> I want you to do this, do this, do this, clean that up, do that. And they're, they're going to say, what? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I, across the street, I have a whole lot of authority. <laughs> yeah, but you're not, you're not, this isn't your business. And there are times in our Christian walk when we're trying to, don't you know who I am? Well, actually, no, we don't. <laughs> who did this happen to in the book of Acts? Seven sons of Siva, right? And the demons didn't recognize their authority. They say, Paul, we know. Jesus, we know. Who are you? <laughs> See, they were trying to pr promote something that wasn't real to them. They didn't know Jesus. They weren't in relationship. They weren't men under authority. Amen. Thus, they did not have authority. The grace for you to be in right relationship or under authority exists. The grace for your sphere to ever increase exists. But have you grown into those shoes? Though you be heir and Lord of all, if you're still a babe, you differ nothing from a servant. Now let me take this one step further. Let's go to Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 29. It says, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? Now, for those students that have heard this, don't say anything. All right? Binding the strong man. This is an, an act of authority, is it not? So I'm, I'm going to ask myself rhetorical questions and you're not going to answer, okay? How did Jesus bind the strong man? Because obviously he was spoiling his house quite effectively. He's casting out demons, he's healing the sick, he's stilling the storm. He's, he's dominating, he's reigning in life by the grace that the Father has given him. How is he spoiling the strong man's house? So I ask myself another question. How did the strong man come to have this power to begin with? To steal and kill and destroy. Where did this come from? If I can figure out where it came from, then I can figure out how to bind him. You go back to the beginning. Where did the power come from? Three-letter word. Now you can answer. Sin. If the strong man's authority and power came from sin, then what binds him? What binds him isn't, I bind thee in the name of Jesus. I bind thee, bind thee, bind thee in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> this isn't what binds him. Did you ever see Jesus going around saying, my blood, my blood, my blood, my blood? 
to try to get something done. What bound the enemy was the opposite of what loosed him. Sin loosed him, righteousness binds him. That in the presence of righteousness, the enemy has no answer. And Jesus knew who he was. The grace of righteousness. He had received the gift of righteousness, the grace of righteousness in in the terms that I'm trying to use for this example. He knew who he was. And in walking in that righteousness, the enemy was bound. It had no answer for that. It had no answer for righteousness. Who are you? Everybody's gotten very quiet. Are you not the righteousness of God in Christ? Now, let me, I'm going I'm to put this in a, in a train of things here. Your authority, well, let me start over. Your great faith is a function of your revelation of your authority. And your authority is a revelation of righteousness. If you can get a revelation of righteousness, if you can get a revelation of your guiltless standing before God, that just as Adam was created in the image of God, you're created in the image of God. As just as Adam was given dominion over the earth, you have dominion over the earth. Just as Jesus is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principality and power, you are seated in Christ Jesus. And if you get a revelation of righteousness, that we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ, your authority is going to blossom. And you're going to realize, I'm not talking about your specific grace purpose of things to do, but I'm talking about the generic who you are. You have authority over sickness. You have authority over disease. You have authority over demons. You have authority over, over the elements. You have authority over the wind, over the, over the rain. You have authority in this earth. Have you grown into those shoes? Because if not, you're no better than a servant, though you be Lord of all. Oh, this is good. That righteousness is the key to understanding authority, which is the key to having great faith. When Jesus, when Jesus cursed the tree, the fig tree, he didn't stop and come on, leaves wither. He cursed the tree and he kept on going because he knew who he was and he knew that his word must be obeyed. And so for him, it was a done deal because he was walking by faith, not by sight. Now, when you and when I see, I've had victories in this area and I've had failures in this area where I will speak to something, we'll say, in my body, and there have been successes because I knew that I knew that I knew. I had a revelation. I got a revelation of righteousness back, I think it was in 1980, 81. I forgot, I was, I think it was 81. I got a, 1980. Revelation of righteousness. It changed me. Or let me say, let me put it this way. I began to grow into my my big boy shoes. I began to understand who I was. See, when you get this revelation of who you are, the grace of righteousness, 
then all of a sudden, the sphere of influence of authority begins to grow. And I've spoken to some things when I've known, and they've disappeared. And I've spoken to some things when I've known, but not known, if you understand, and they haven't disappeared. And I had to go a different route. And I realized the issue here isn't whether it's God's will or not God's will. It's not whether I have authority or don't have authority. It's that I didn't grow into those shoes yet. I needed a a revelation, again, of my guiltless right standing before God created in his image, seated with him in heavenly places, in the context of that no disease can stand in the presence of righteousness. It binds it. That's what I needed. And when I've been in that position and I speak to things, things happen. And I don't have to fast and pray about it. Now, I'm not putting down fasting and prayer. Those that have heard my other courses understand I'm, there's always balance to this. But in the area of my revealed authority, based on my revealed righteousness, you speak the word. And things have to obey you. Now, let's, let's look at one more. Are you still you good to go with another one here? Let's go to Luke 17. I don't even know if I'm in my notes anymore. Let's go to Luke 17. Praise God. Luke 17, verse 5, the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. Well, just based on what I've been sharing with you this morning, increasing your faith has to do with understanding your authority. Understanding your authority has to do with understanding who you are. What has he made you to be? So they're saying increase our faith. They're wanting the the power part of it, but they're not ready yet for the, the revelation of who they are. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you. The tree will obey you. Why would a tree obey you? Now this gets a little freaky, but the tree would recognize your authority because you've recognized your righteousness. Now that's a little weird. But didn't Jesus curse a tree? Didn't Jesus stop the wind and the waves? Didn't Jesus raise the dead with his word? Things will obey you. But let's, let's go on. It says, be plucked up by the root, be planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, and it went on, it took me years to figure this out. Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle? And I'm thinking, what, 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 why did you change the subject? What is this? What is this? Which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward you shall eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Does this sound anything like Matthew 8? I have soldiers unto me. I say to this one, go and he goes, this one come and he comes and I tell him my servant what to do and he does it. Jesus called this great faith. The disciples come up and say, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. He says, if you had faith as a a grain of mustard seed, if you even had a, a glimpse of this revelation, you could say to a tree, here, for example, 
A servant, if you, how many of you have servants? I don't have a servant, but maybe some of you have servants. You speak to a servant, and they do it, and it's no big deal because they're supposed to do it. You curse the fig tree, it's no big deal, it's supposed to die. It has no choice in the matter. And then he got to the key. Verse 10, so likewise, when you shall have done all those things which were commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. And the light went on. The light went on that your relationship to the Father and your willingness, I'm gonna borrow from Andrew now, your willingness to be that living sacrifice and to do whatever is commanded you to do, whatever the grace has bred you to do, your willingness to be submissive to the word of God is parallel to the authority you're going to carry into, into the world. If you're not willing to submit and obey the word of God, then nothing is going to submit itself and obey you. Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Is anybody getting this? Is this making sense? That this is based upon your submission. Why did the centurion have authority? He had authority because the soldiers knew there's somebody over him. And if we say no to this guy, that guy's going to come and get us. Very simplistic, but that's, that's how it works. Who's over you? Are you submitted to him in the way you think, in the way you speak, in the things you do? Is there a relationship there? Is there a submission there that whatever, if God clears his throat, you say, yes, sir, what, what's next? Is that the relationship you have? Because if that's the relationship you have, then things are going to know it. And things are going to see you coming. And sicknesses are going to see you coming. And demons are going to see you coming. And they're going to, you wouldn't even have to cast them out. They're going to run. Because you know you're in this relationship and this relationship is called righteousness. Right standing before God without any guilt or shame or condemnation. Praise God. How many of you have seen righteousness? And that righteousness gives birth to the understanding of, whoa, I've been given dominion over the earth. I'm called to reign in life. Righteousness gives birth to that because of this right relationship that you'll do anything the master says. And because of that, then things are going to say, whoa, look out, here he comes. Dressed in the armor of God. Looks like God. It's God's armor. And then you can say things and things will obey you and sicknesses will leave you and things will submit to you because you're speaking his word. Didn't Jesus say, I can only do what I see the father doing? Didn't Jesus say, I always do those things that are pleasing to him? See, Jesus walked in this relationship which gave him authority and righteousness bound because, because he would never go against the Father, not my will, but thine. He would never break that relationship. Therefore, righteousness surrounded him. He was righteous. That bound every work of the enemy that he came in contact with. And he didn't have to go up and say, my blood, my blood, my blood. 
His righteousness bound the situation, and he spoke a word, out, be healed. Praise God. Now let's think, think of one more. I'm, I'm starting to close up here. James 4, 7. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, there it is, therefore unto God, resist even the devil, and he will recognize your authority because of your submission to God and your righteousness and your revelation of authority. And you can talk to the devil himself like Jesus did. Be gone, Satan. Be gone, Satan. This, this is the, the, the authority that we've been called to walk in regardless of your specific grace purpose, your specific grace gifting. Regardless of that, everyone in this room has been called to walk in this level of authority, of reigning in life, of subduing the earth, of having dominion. This is your generic, if you will, grace raw material for life. But though you be Lord of all, if you're but a babe, you differ nothing than a servant. That's why it's so imperative, folks, that we grow up fully into the full stature of Christ. That we are, we, some of you probably need to come to Bible school and learn to grow and grow into the shoes that grace has given you and begin to exercise this authority and begin to learn how to manage this authority. Anyone that steps into a, a new position has to learn how to manage authority correctly. This is the grace of God for all of us. It's not different for anyone. It's all there for all of us. Praise God. I have uh, three, three little points real quick. That, just to, to leave you with something to think about. Get a vision for what God has in mind for you. What does God have in mind for you? When he thought about you before creation, what, are, what was he thinking? To give you an expected end, it says, Jeremiah. But he was thinking of you as this, this created in his image person that's been given dominion and authority and can subdue the earth and, and bring peace where there's conflict, bring healing where there's sickness. That's what he's created you to do. Get a vision of that and see that you're no different from anyone else that's gotten a vision of it and gone out and actually done it. You can do it too. You are a chosen generation in which lives the faith to overcome the world. It's in you. It's the raw grace material of God that's been dumped into, you, into your life to overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, it says. Well, where does faith come from? A revelation of authority. Where does authority come from? A revelation of righteousness. And all of that's within us. See yourself as an agent of change, a victor, not a victim. Amen. See yourself as an agent of change. Do you, do you have what it takes to go out and conquer the sphere that God's given you? The answer is yes. It's been deposited in you. Generically, generally speaking, 
and specifically for the call of God on your life, it's there. Can you see it? Do you believe it? Do you want to grow into it? Praise God. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, we don't want to be servants. We want to be babes, Father. We want to grow into this. Father, you have made us Lord of all. You have called us to have dominion. You have called us to, ha- to subdue things that are not your will. You have called us to have dominion over sickness, over demonic works, over, over destructive things in this life, in this earth. We can do it because your grace has made it possible, Father. And I pray that the word that's been spoken this morning would find place in each heart. And Father, it would germinate, that it would produce, that there would be great productivity from this, that there would be understanding, there would be revelation, there would be vision in the hearts of everyone listening this morning. Oh, Father, we want to take that love, that grace, and then understand what did you have in mind? And we want to walk in that and demonstrate your glory in this earth. Praise God. Father, I thank you for this time. I bless these these people and the rest of this conference in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.